0: Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. You know, we probably need to change the title after all this time, even though some of you listen to this at night. Um, it's uh, it's being recorded during the morning, and as soon as I finish with this broadcast, I connect with Brazil and do their message of the week, and um, usually then... There are other ways that we minister out of this booth. So it's active all through the day, but um, it is Wednesday. So (laughs) we got that part right, and it's live when I'm recording it. When you're listening to it, it's still live, Lee, but it's recorded. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and what a great privilege it is to be able to reach out to my congregation as well as to our extended Saints Network family. I tell you, uh, it's nice now to be able to wake up here in Dallas and uh, step outside. And yesterday it was 58 degrees at 6, well, 545 in the morning when I went out. And today it was 60. Ah, it's just so nice. Uh, But I do know that for some of you listening, your weather is a bit challenging right now. And I speak to our brothers and sisters in Florida, both on the east and on the west coast. Hurricane Ian uh, is kind of lingering down there at the base of the peninsula. Um, I have been praying that it will drift off somewhere else. But, you know, there are things that happen that God does that we just don't really understand until they're all complete. But I'm going to ask all of you to be in prayer for our network family and uh, on the east and on the west of Florida, that God would protect every one of them would protect their property would protect their place of meeting and that for them there would be a shield around them Uh, give them wisdom and give them clarity in your directions so we we do declare over all of you the hand of the Lord and we do continue to pray that God will intervene here so let's let's all remember that throughout this day I know that you can hardly turn on the television or the look on the internet or uh, wherever you uh, gain uh, information of the news of the day without having the first the first uh, topic Hurricane Ian and um, let's let's stand in agreement. And we we ask that God would give peace and wisdom and uh, every measure of confidence to all our brothers and sisters there. We also want to remember that um, the Brazilian election, which is a very important thing, is occurring this weekend. So let's continue to also pray for our brothers and sisters there, for that great nation And the prophecy the promise of God concerning what he is doing and what he's going to do through the Saints there Um, we have talked about this regularly over the years we have remembered the prophetic words that God has said we can clearly see those prophetic promises being fulfilled in phenomenal ways but this election is very important and, you know, I'm just praying that the will of God will be done. I know that sometimes people say, well, you know, that's a cop-out. But in essence, I think we've all learned that praying for a political election sometimes doesn't turn out the way you want it to. And um, we, we would be better served saying, Father, you see the way that the enemy is trying to restrict the believers, You've used that kind of thing in the past to catapult your people forward. But whatever your will is, let, let it be done this weekend. And we take authority over the enemy who would try to corrupt or, or uh, twist the rules or uh, bring deceit or some kind of trickery into the thing. So let's pray in the spirit for that. And uh, the election is on Sunday. So um, we will keep praying through the weekend. First Saturday is this coming Saturday. And uh, the directive went out. I encourage you to read that directive. We particularly are focusing on the month of October, which is a springboard month traditionally, into the things, the new things that God is doing. And we are... We're looking forward to this being a month of breakthrough, a month of confidence, a month of, of uh, incredible blessings of the Lord. And we absolutely stand against and we, we command to be gone, whatever the attempts of the enemy might be, whatever he might try to do to turn the month of October or the remaining days of September into something of catastrophe. We take authority over that, and instead we turn things to the good. So lots of things to pray for in our saintly pursuit of following the Lord. And I thank you for the way you have been faithful as intercessors in the past, but I also thank you for your continued fervor and commitment to the walk of being an intercessor before the throne of God. Now, we do have somewhat of a teaching sheet in front of you if you have accessed it and pulled it up. Now, I could just as easily have quoted or cited these scriptures. There's not many of them. But there were some words that Uh, are a part of what we're going to be looking at to explain this passage. And I didn't want to hinder or trouble any of you with those words. So I just put them on a Word document, and I thank Scott for posting them for us. This past Sunday in Sunday school, Nancy Deshawn was teaching, and one of the scriptures that she read was the first one, here on our sheet. And it has to do with the man named Caleb in the time of Moses. Numbers 14, beginning at verse 23, says, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now when she read this, suddenly kind of a little bell went off in my head, and I thought about how in in, uh, English, which is what she read and what we speak here, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, another spirit. We've been studying over the past couple of years about the Spirit of God within us and how important that is to our relationship with God as it's born again through Christ, how it's important for us understanding the ways of God, how it's important for us to pray in the Spirit with that Spirit. And it truly is a gift from God to each of us We've taught about this a lot, so I don't want to go back through everything um, because that would be redundancy. But the point is that when you read what God says about Caleb here in the, the Old Covenant before Christ, and he just said that the people who provoked him, who had resisted him throughout... The 40, what would be 40 years in the wilderness, um, and who absolutely refused at the end of that time to go into the new land, that provoked God. Just imagine that provoking God. Some people just want to paint God with a bunch of rose petals around him and uh, that he just smiles all the time and pets lambs and just looks down on you with a with a wonderful, loving grin. But there are words in the Bible, and you can't pluck them out, that like this, these people provoked God. There are other times where God's feelings are kindled to rise and Enact vengeance, which God says is his. I don't want to be on the receiving end of those kinds of things. But we would be foolish not to recognize that you have two choices. You can either please God and walk with him, or you can reject his ways. You can openly dispute what he has clearly said he wants to do. And those people are not going to really know a measure of blessing unless they repent and get on the right path. So Caleb believed God. Famous words that we know from him. Give me this mountain. I'm strong today at 80 years old as I was at 40. Um, We've talked about that. Give me the mountain where the giants are. Um, it's, it's it's just an incredible man but what is this business of an, an another spirit did God favor him by giving everybody else just uh, the regular birth issue dispensation of spirit and this guy God gave a, a superlative spirit is that what this means if it does mean that it doesn't make sense it doesn't seem fair and of all the things that we say about god one at the very top is he's fair he gives favor to his people but he wants every person to come to him and know that favor the choice is ours and so it can't mean that somehow God gave Caleb a step up on everybody else. But what it does mean is very important for us as saints. And I pray that all of us would have this characterization of another spirit. Now, if you look at the term another, it it is from... The adjective aher. And this means another, or literally, one coming from behind, one who is established in the things that are of yesterday. This comes from the verb ahar, which occurs only 17 times in the Bible, but its derivatives are much more prominent. This verb, ahar, means to tarry or delay. Then you have uh, the substantive ahor, which means back part, rear, backward, and the adjective ahare, meaning afterwards. So what does this mean? What what does this mean? Well, I I want to make sure that my deductions that i make regarding these things are are accurate and sometimes people hear what i say particularly about words from the bible and then they do a couple of cursory studies and they can't find it and they think i'm full of full of beans maybe i am full of beans in some ways but i'm that's not, not randomly scatter shooting things from the word of the Lord, I want to make sure that if I say something to you, that it has a measure of accuracy to it. So I read a lot of different things about this word yesterday, and one of the most intriguing ones was from a Jewish commentary. I wasn't footnoting any of this. I was just reading and studying So you just got to trust me that what I read was there. And they said that this word was very interesting because it had the the traditional Jewish way of thinking that you remember who you are and what you are and the promise of God, but your objective is to look forward from that. And they said... This is them saying it. They were probably wearing yarmulkes. They said that, in Hebrew thinking, the future is always um, the the first thing, but then it tracks back to the um, to the the history and the and the foundation. So you can you can be a person who is devoted to the past, but you have an eye looking forward, and one of the writers even suggested that this is indicated in the way you would read the Hebrew Bible, from right to left, Um, that you, you um, you would, first of all, be looking to what's coming, but established in God's history, But also Wright would say, what did God say at the right hand of his throne, the beginning of faith, and then how do you walk to carry it out? All of those things are factors, and I think it's very interesting. So we deduce from this that the another spirit of Caleb was that Caleb always remembered and trusted what God promised what he said and that was the compass upon which he charted his life so when it came time to go into the land as spies he was trusting the lord when it came time to go into the land 40 years later he was trusting the lord and um what god had promised what god said and so his spirit albeit not born again through Christ, but that deposit of the Spirit of the Lord in him, which had an entirely Old Covenant way of committal to God, his spirit was alive with the promise of God, and God communed with him in that. And um, so when naysayers or those who were fearful would say, no, we can't go up. Where's grasshoppers? No, there's giants there. Caleb interpreted things from the depth of who he was and his relationship with God based upon what God has established in their identity and what God has said in the past. This is important for us to recognize we as saints believe we have reason to believe this that part of what we do as being a holy people is to see the restoration of what God ordained from the foundation of the world. That's our intercession. That's what we believe. We're, we don't deconstruct it. We don't misinterpret it. We don't treat it like you would forming putty to amalgam what he said uh, in light of what modern society wants. You don't pinch off pieces of it because it's inconvenient for you and for your current narrative. We pray and we believe for what God wants. And this is, to me, part of that other spirit, while at the same time we're praying and gaining fresh insight from the Lord, fresh insight from his word, and we're pressing forward. To me, that's another spirit. Now, the Bible uses this same word, a hair, to describe Saul when he was anointed as king. And we find that in 1 Samuel 10, verses 6 through 10. And here, Samuel says to him, The Spirit of Yahweh will come upon you, and you will prophesy unto them, and shall be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with you. And you'll go down before me to Gilgal, behold, I will come down unto you, to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shall you tarry till I come to you and show you what you shall do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, same word. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him and the spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Now, isn't that interesting? That whole story is very colorful. It's very interesting, and um, I I think uh, I think this whole process has a number of intriguing factors to it, but the one that we really haven't talked about is another man in another heart. What might this mean for Saul since he was the first king? Well, I think it was just simply that God really wanted a king that would fellowship with him almost as if And I'm just being, I'm just hypothesizing here. Almost being kind of like what Moses was. Somebody that would be before God. Somebody that would wait on him. He had Samuel to assist in that. Just as Moses had Levi. Um, And what, what God wanted was for this man to really embody God's purpose for the people. Why he brought them into the land to begin with. Maybe to recapture that spirit of Joshua and Caleb which by the time Joshua died the people had basically lost. If you don't believe that consider what the angel said and they're they're pretty much a uh, an indisputable testimony so so God really wanted Saul to be activated changed you know God picked Saul Saul was God's first choice he wasn't just a, a warm-up for the high and holy David so Saul ob- obviously had the capacity from God to do the things that God wanted him to do. And when this anointing came, he had this activated. It's not the same as being born again, but this prophetic identity and this um, flow of the oil truly commissioned him, just as the anointing of oil does in the New Testament, to begin something that God had ordained him for to be. But this was to be an another man kind of thing. Now, Saul struggled with that. I'm not faulting him. He struggled with the people that were always griping and complaining and wanting to be in fear and to do other things. Caleb faced that too, but so did Joshua. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Caleb, give me this mountain. Um, And one thing that I've learned, and and you have to continue to learn this, is that you're thankful for the people that embrace the calling of God. But there are many who don't want to do it and will try every way they can to disrupt you from doing it. This is where we rely on that another spirit now for saul he had another heart which why does it say heart instead of spirit because again the heart had to do with direction it had to do with the decisions that you make saul was not only going to be making decisions for himself but for his people for god's people so god had to anoint that part And I'm sure, I don't know this, but I'm sure that whatever God put in Saul in the way of his spirit was ordained to move right along with that. And you see that the first people he meets are these prophets. (laughs) In order to keep moving in another heart or another spirit, you've got to be willing to Welcome the prophetic, and you've got to be willing to minister to the Lord and gain prophetic words. Covet to prophesy. Moses said, would to God all, my, all God's people would be prophets and that they would all prophesy. So it's essential to do that and to be willing to do that. But I, I would also say this. That doesn't mean you just go out and believe you know the Bible says you try the prophets, you, you because the prophet is subject to whatever spirit is, and sometimes there are professional prophets. I'm not criticizing or maligning them, but they hone their words, and they use those words, I'm sure in purity, to keep their base jazzed up, and to generate whatever financial support they need. And God knows every ministry needs that. So try the prophets. And, um, you know, you really ought to judge prophecy. And I, I know that sometimes prophecy can be really entertaining. But the essence of it is that you receive a message from God and you're willing to die in the pursuit of that. That's the spirit of prophecy, according to the book of Revelation. So, was Saul willing to do that? I think in spirit he was, but he had issues. He really really did. The, The historical record shows that. I'm not faulting him. These should be for our benefit. To uh, hear and learn from. So, another means to be established on something from the past, hopefully from God, and to be willing to move forward into the new. Now, that makes really great sense to me, and it should to all of you who are saints when it comes to human individuals. But we need to consider something that might be confusing. It shouldn't be. But let's talk about it anyway. In Exodus 20, verse 3, and this is said many times in the Word, Thou shalt have no other gods before me and this could easily be translated as thou shalt have thou shalt not have another god or another gods before me what does that mean these are Elohims. Um now the first word of this phrase is Elohim I, I discovered something kind of interesting I'm not this doesn't change what we've heard from God or what we have believe, what we've studied in the Word. It just adds a, a, little, a little additional understanding to it. But I was reading these Jewish commentaries yesterday and um, they readily say that Elohim is a primary name for God, of God. But they said that in Jewish thought, Elohim can also mean powers or the rules the rules upon which the universe runs and one of that one of these commentaries that was from a messianic christian perspective equated it with the logos in the new testament now i thought that was very interesting and it does make sense we've said that elohim speaks of the heart of god and the way we communicate with him the way we love him and Yahweh always speaks about His plan, how He's going to do it. It's very similar to the seven spirits of God and God's um, mind, or His fivefold. Well, what, what is the plan of God based on as it goes forth? It's based upon the deep inclination of the love of God and why He created us and why He created all the things. So, the operation of God's heart, God's love, God's spirits is the foundation of what He envisioned from before the foundation of the world. And from that, then, his plan goes forward. That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Now, there were a plethora of angels that God created to serve him and truly, according to the New Testament and some Old Testament passages, to serve alongside those that God ordained to partner with him. Some of those entities rebelled, I believe, because the man-killer from the beginning, Satan, didn't want to be subjected, in his mind, to a being that he felt was lesser than him. And we are created a little lower than the angels, which means we hunger for God. The angels obey God, but we hunger for God. And that's what little lower means. So if you're, if you're not going to, if you're told to seek God and to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, energy, everything you are, You shall not put any fallen entity before him. What would this another mean regarding that? Well, it would be what the enemy, from his touch point of what he believed, which stirred his rebellion... It would really be the identity of the enemy. And it would really be his idea for this earth and for creation. Um, That's the enemy's foundation. And also, he said, I will be like the Most High. So, or was his intention to be that. So he he would want you to treat him as you would the one true God. So when these fallen spirits, they, they have their own doctrines. They're doctrines of devils. They have their own mindsets. They are deceivers. They are liars. The Bible says the enemy is a liar The truth is not in him. And so both him and those who serve him um, cannot be believed. They have their own version of what the established way is. And some of the things that they say and told to, like many of the cultures back in those ancient days was a total absolute abominable rewrite of the truth they say that they were equal with god initially but that god is just some meanie and that he he overtook them and drove them out and then they say that you can see how ruthless god is by the way he supposedly murdered his son and killed hundreds of thousands of people and wanted animal sacrifice and Yada, 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 yada. They're saying this now to people, and people who should know better are believing it. So God clearly says, you better not have any other another in relationship to me. I'm the only another. I'm the only one. Does that make sense? So the last passage we want to look at, and you should read this entire Psalm 42, beginning at verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, will hold your hand, will keep you, will give you the covenant of the people for a light, Of and to the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out of the prisoners to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house I am Yahweh that is my name and my glory or kabod will I not give to another Neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass. New things I declare. There's that old and new again. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise from the end of the earth. You that go down to the sea and all that is therein. The isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voice. The villages that Kedar doth inhabit, let the inhabitants of the rocks sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. Now, this is a perfect passage to look at in regard to what we just talked about. You'll have no other gods before me. Here it says, My plan, Yahweh, that is my name, my glory, how I'm going to do something new. I'm not going to share that with another. And then he immediately goes into a discussion about graven images and false gods. And then he speaks about former things are established. They've manifest themselves just as I said they would. And new things I declare. And he speaks about considering those and praising forward. This Isaiah 42 speaks exactly about what we've just been talking about. It's a light to the Gentiles. How are we going to reach the world? You know, these new progressive kids, they just don't buy into some say the things that the saints have taught while we respect them there's something much more so we need to deconstruct what we've done and we need to move forward in fact in this more that we found we recognize that God is in everything well he is But he's in, you can find God in all other religions. And in fact, if you put them all together, it forms a cosmic Christ. And really, when you think about it, these people would say, God really didn't send his son to be the only way. And the jury is really out, some people would say, as to whether Jesus really suffered and died. Because after all, God would never, God of love, would never submit his son to that. That's just an abominable view, view, and we just have to rid ourselves of that because these young people are so easily triggered, can never understand that, never welcome it. They don't want it. And so we've got to say, all right, we just do away with everything that troubles them, so we won't really talk about speaking in tongues. We, we won't talk about diverse tongues, and Lord knows we won't do it in front of them. We'll just roll out the red carpet and let them feel welcome and show them love, and maybe that'll do it. And in the meantime, maybe some of these other beings and these other religions will come along too. That's what's being said out there. That's what's being said by lots of people who should know better. And it is a demonic doctrine. It's infiltrating and permeating a lot of the churches. It is the enemy's grand plan to eliminate and to um, destroy the church as these end times are unfolding. When God's doing a work and his plan is being known, and we've been given to be a light to the Gentiles, his glory is being manifested in new ways, which is what his glory always does. And he's not going to give that. He's not going to allow that to manifest to any other other. Does that make sense? Sometimes we read this passage and we hear songs and they're well-meaning. People talk about, show me your glory. And they don't really read about God saying, I'm going to cover you with a palm of my hand while my glory passes by and what you're going to see is the ahore which we mentioned just a little bit earlier. It's part of this same theme. Uh, You're you're going to be able to look at what I'd promised, look at what I've done, and you're going to be able to rejoice in that and learn from it, but you're in this cliff to the rock with me. You're partnering with the palm of my hand. I'm covering you. You're not to be my counsel in this. You're to be my partner in this. You just enjoy this commune with me. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So then people who think that the glory is just something that you feel and get warm and fuzzies about and get steroid-like goosebumps, you, you, you ask God, you know, I'm not another. Well, I hope you're not another. I hope you're not somebody who was established from the foundation of the world and you have your own plan. But this doesn't mean, from what we've studied about this word, that you're just not going to give it out to the heathen. But, uh, you know, he will let you partner with his glory. That's part of the definition of glory. But it doesn't mean that because you're not a heathen, that you're going to be able to look full face into the glory of God and counsel him and be mystified by it. You're going to see it after the ahor is made known when God says okay what I promised that you believed in faith it's done and so look now look look what the Lord has done and you praise forward to what has been promised because praise awaits you in Zion but God is not going to share he's not going to give his glory to, based on any demonic entity, which is what he goes into next in the context, which is what he says in Exodus, and I think almost 60 times throughout the the Old Testament. This again says, you can choose God, you can be lukewarm, which is not really something Jesus has a palate for, or you can go after these demons whatever they call themselves, these fallen ones. But the only real path is the foundation of the world, God, and what he has promised, what he welcomes you to intercede with him about, to partner with the angels who also cry out, holy, 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 which means the same thing. And as things are going along, you just have to trust Him and enjoy Him and prophesy and stay under the covering of the palm of His hand because that's your strength. And when God does what He does, you're going to be able to reflect on this process of how God said it and you interceded with the palm of his hand until that part of his plan is done or is just freshly being asserted, and then he'll remove his hand, and you can see the ahor. It's the fulfillment of what the ahar is, of what was established by God, from the foundation of the world. And you you tarry. This is where tarrying comes in. This is the Old Testament tarry. You wait on the Lord. You trust in Him in patience. This all makes perfect sense to me. It should to you. But this another spirit of Caleb... May we recognize that—that that is what God wants in us. It could probably means why God then spoke of David later about someone who's after my spirit. Um, and Saul, bless his heart, he—he had—he uh, had. He had the opportunity to do that and to lead the people um but he again i I don't want to be critical of him he was pioneering the way he he did not allow that spirit to continue you know here initially what we read he had to go and wait on samuel you realize that that's the very thing that kept him from um, being king, continuing as, as king. I know that there are ways as we meditate on this we can see, but it's, it's just an incredible, it's an incredible thing. Um, wow, man! Oh, man! I, this is just so deep. This is this is just so, so deep. I, I I know that I know that God has really touched each of us as saints and empowered us for this calling. We've got to be willing to see these passages and to take each of them and say, Father, help my born-again spirit to be that another spirit that you cherish and that you looked for in David, even though, you know, if you look at it, sought for a man after my own heart, that, that just says Leb there so it's not one of our another passages I want to I want to be what you want me to be I want to be that person in these days who is that light to the Gentiles through you I'm not going to try to do it my own way and I'm certainly not going to buy into some demonic doctrine you know it's not just a novelty for the day we're in that happened back It's one of the Ten Commandments, and it was repeatedly said by God over and over again. So the enemy has always tried to do this, but we've got to be a people of another spirit, people of another heart, and let God use us in that way. So I bless you in this study, and I pray that God will touch each of you I don't know what you may be facing right now, but I pray that the spirit of the Lord would come upon you and that you would be healthy, strong, blessed, provided for, encouraged in Jesus' name. And I, I also ask that you will remember first Saturday prayer, that you would remember our brothers and sisters in Florida, that you would remember this great work in the nation of Brazil and what this week and weekend mean there. Start praying now. Don't wait till the end of the week. Um, We as saints are busy. And as we enter into the month of October and these waning days of September, um, may we declare the goodness of the Lord. And may we proclaim that God is with us and that the enemy is scattered that no weapon, even now trying to be forged against us will prosper, but God will turn it to the good. We serve God with another spirit that is devoted to him and another heart that will keep working in conjunction with what the Spirit of God has said and established. Amen. All right, God bless you all. Um, for those in my church, look for an email from me tell you some things that we're going to need to do this sunday as we're still trying to get the electrical work done in the youth room but everything's rolling in the sanctuary everything's ready in the booth we're ready to go so just so you aren't confused look for an email from me later this week that'll tell you just what's going on okay god bless you thanks for listening today and have a wonderful time in the lord goodbye